filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. So I went down to North Carolina for the NWSL championship. Uh, and so um, I got the sample. Sorry, you had to go to Cary. I, I went to all three cities uh, in the triangle. Um, there was a lot of driving back and forth. Um, mostly, Cary but- is not one of the three cities of the triangle, no matter how much they try to say they are. I, I if it was only- a quadrangle, would Cary count? I'm, yes. I only experienced three pl- places in North Carolina, and I'm not going to concern myself with the rest of it, quite frankly. Um, Chapel Hill is a legend or a myth that I've heard of. Ben claims to have gone there. I don't see any evidence. Um, you seem to just disregard every <laughs> state that isn't Maryland, and it's becoming a problem. I didn't I know, Jason, you, I a problem. this is where it became you, a problem. Jason, it was not a problem Jason, before now, Ben. It's not a problem now. Jason, do you believe other states exist? Uh, some of them. I've been to some of them. Uh, others, uh, but do you believe I mean, they exist, or do you think that they're just holograms? There, there are sound theories. There's sound theories of uh, a place like uh, Arkansas could be possibly uh, real. Maybe not, though. Who knows? Uh, I know people, people who've been there. So. People are saying that they've been there, but I'm not so sure. Um, anyway. Even states you go to regularly. No, not anyway. Even states <laughs> you go to regularly, you don't think exist. No, no, I, I, I don't think you think Virginia exists. I oh no, it exists. Uh, I, I painfully wish that it was something else, but it exists. I don't think North Dakota exists. I will give you guys. I'll give you guys the Virginia story that was amusing, and it was not the the product. It, it doesn't have a complaint about the state of Virginia. Um, the wow. mega bus back. If you've taken the mega bus uh, on 95, there's a rest stop in the middle of nowhere, somewhere south of Virginia, but north of the state line. Um, it's a uh, wait, south of Virginia, but north of South Virginia, there? Rich, Richmond, South of Richmond. Virginia. Okay, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's like there's like almost like, is there an imaginary Virginia, south yes, of Richmond? And it's it's somewhere in there. Um, but at the rest stop, the bus pulls up to one side and. Your everyone spills out and goes to the bathroom and buys dumb junk at the convenience store. Um, but uh, while I was, I, I bought a bottle of water and then was just sort of walking around to stretch my legs. And as I was standing there, someone in an RV from some other state, I didn't even recognize the license plate, pulled up and just went ve- dead on, like nose to nose with the bus and parked close. So the bus, even if the bus wanted to like get around, there was no way for the bus to just turn the wheel and do it. There wasn't enough room to make the the swing. Um, and so I'm staying there listening and I'm hearing the, the bus driver's voice and I can't make out what he's saying, but I can hear him. And I realize that he's talking to the person in the RV and the person in the RV is responding. And the response is not, yeah, I'll get out of the way in a minute. And it's more like I'm parking here and that's that. Um, and so I stood there for about five minutes of five of the like 20 minutes that we had. I used like a quarter of my allotted time to just stare at this situation. 
Um, and it looked for a while like we just weren't going to be able to get out. Uh, but eventually, um, the bus driver backed down and through a complicated series of backing up and moving forward, slowly but surely got us out of out of the way and on our on our way north uh, and out of Virginia. Um, and this was not a Virginian uh, bus driver nor, that I could tell, and nor was it a Virginian in the RV. It was just uh, two people being very foolish and pigheaded for no reason uh, with gigantic vehicles <laughs> and, and just like an obviously avoidable situation, uh, which is always fun. It seems to be my experience with what driving does to people. You drive too much and you just, this is what happens. Adam, are, we, are you trying to tell you me something about your opinion of me? Here. No, not you. You weren't driving. <laughs> Anyone. I, I am driving. Yeah, that's, um, that's true. Yeah. Um, anyway, anyway the, the weekend itself uh, was very good. Um, I had Bojangles. It was excellent. I had Waffle House for the first time. Uh, I, there are there are three Waffle Houses in Maryland. They are nowhere near me. Um, Jason, you got to come just to me. There's a Waffle House less than a mile from my house. In Virginia. There's a Bojangles <laughs> like mile and a half from my house. Right, you're going to have to get over your Virginia at some point. Yes. You're, uh, you're there are yourself. Bojangles locations in Maryland. I just don't go past them. They're not near. Whatever hang up you have about Virginia is not all of Virginia. So you're going to need to get over one eventually. hang up. It is a series, <laughs> a litany of complaints. It is like Martin Luther attacking like his objections to the door. You have 96 uh, starting a new religion. And I feel like. It's 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 ninety five theses, uh, and I feel like ninety four of those the theses and keeps rolling. I feel like ninety four of your theses are about University of Virginia soccer, the University of Virginia soccer team. They're not even close to the top of the list. Um, but yeah, the Bojangles was very good. The Waffle House was was good, uh, but more importantly, uh, very important uh, after a night of of going out. Um, and then needing to cover a final, you need a big breakfast to see you through that sort of ordeal. I think that's the first time you've mentioned tonight why you were actually in North Carolina. <laughs> I, I introduced it by saying at NWSL championship. Okay. Um, uh, so the second yeah, time. It was, It was. I mean, the game itself was kind of decided the moment uh, North Carolina scored in the fourth minute. Um, so that part of it was maybe not the best. It, it robbed the game of drama. Um, but the weekend itself was excellent. Uh, the people were fun. The uh, even the Chicago fans were in a great mood after the game. I, they weren't happy that they lost, but they were still jovial and and uh, up for some fun. So the whole thing was was very good. Um, the people of North Carolina were uh, uh, they were southern in that they were very nice, and also the pace of life was nice and slow. Um, which is sometimes hard to adapt to driving a rental car and finding people that were just not necessarily in a hurry. Uh, and also everyone thinks that there are big, like they're like, Oh, that's going to be a big traffic jam. And it's like a two minute slowdown. Um, and so when people would tell me that there would be traffic, I started acknowledging, or I started in my head thinking, no, there won't be, uh, because it is no, nothing close to what I'm used to. Um, you could get, you can get from Durham to Raleigh in like 15 minutes. If even with some traffic um, and people down there were like, oh, that's going to be tough. And it's like, this is a walk in the park. Uh, but yeah, uh, it was fun. I got a little sunburned. Uh, there was a cake that was strange and I didn't get any of it. Uh, I felt like Milton in office space. Cool. Um, and that's cool how story. Jason burned the building down. 
No, uh, the stadium is still there. You can Wake Med is still around. Yes. Jason did not burn down Wake Med. So it's that's concrete. A, it would be difficult. You know, they, sometimes you have to challenge yourself, Jason. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and touring North Carolina podcast. I don't know. Uh, I'm Adam Taylor. They're Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We're all from blackandredunited.com where we cover DC United. Among other things, tonight we are talking about DC United, specifically their offseason. Um, everyone who managed to suffer through last week's episode uh, will, will certainly remember, unless they blacked it out. Uh, the, the the season is over for DC United after the playoff loss in Toronto. So uh, we are kicking off the offseason this week. But before we do that, Ben, what are you drinking? Um, I am drinking uh, rum and apple cider. And that is a slight preview as th- this is store-bought apple cider. And that is a slight preview as to what I'll be drinking next week. Because my goal is to go up into the mountains, pick apples, and make my own apple cider for next week. So... Okay. Really, this is just pre- setting the groundwork for next week's drink. All right. I, I'm drinking Port City's Monumental IPA. Good local beer. It's from Virginia. We won't hold that against it. Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I was running a little behind, so I have uh, Patron Silver uh, on the rocks. That's it. That's it. That's the drink. Uh, okay, let's. Um, I guess we we should move on with the show. Uh, the MLS Cup playoffs are continuing right now, down to the last four contenders for for the trophy. Um, if you want to know anything about who they are and how they play, go somewhere else. There are many podcasts that cover that. We're not going to do that tonight. We are going to wallow here in DC United's. I don't know if self pity is the right word, but it's not far off. Um, we all know D- the black and red are not among those last four teams. So uh, we're focused on the off season here and uh, we've already seen a number of player departures confirmed. We're recording this on Tuesday night, just before Halloween. And um, we haven't even gotten to cake or death yet. And we're already seeing players going that just slow down guys. The offseason's not as long as it used to be with the early start next year, but slow down. Let us get to our no, no, it's traditions. Longer. It's longer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's longer. Yeah, it's early because it's, yeah. it's still October. It started It started earlier because we stopped li- listening to Jurgen Klinsmann. Yeah, that's true. But Which the season a, is also starting idea, earlier next but year. But it came with the consequence. Yeah, yeah. The stadium's, the season's starting earlier, which is going to be uh, a problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if people are familiar with winter in like 14 uh, MLS cities, but not going to be great. Like even in DC, February is bad. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're going to play in DC in February. I think it'll be two games on the road. I don't know where. Sure. But how do you, I don't know. That first week of March is also pretty close to February. though. (laughs) We should probably talk about this stuff in a different episode, but uh, suffice it to say, uh, bad idea. And there's also some XFL to, t- to talk about, but yes, again. Oh, yeah. Field is going to be Lots of bad ideas guys. going around. Yeah, there's a lot of that going around right now. Um, player departures. Anyway, like I said, um, we we know 
a, a, at least three players uh, will not be back in black and red next year. So let's uh, let's talk about them. Uh, one of them, uh, a squad player, really uh, a call him a contributor guy by the name of Wayne Rooney scored a few goals, made a few plays, may, may have made a highlight reel here and there. He will not be back. He's already gone. Um, he took off a day or two after the loss in Toronto for England next uh, in January, he'll start uh, playing for, for Derby County. I assume he will join them in a coaching capacity because he's a player coach there uh, immediately, or, or maybe take a, a month off or something, but he, he will be there. We knew he was gone. Um, he was obviously a designated player, highest played player on the team. Uh, probably the best performer, at least as far as offensive production this year on a team that did not score enough goals. Um, but nothing like his 2018 performance. Pablo Maurer had a sit down with him uh, right before he left the country. And if you haven't read it yet, go to The Athletic and and read Pablo's work. Uh, his name, Pablo's name will come up again later, I promise. Um, go subscribe to The Athletic and and read Pablo's work and thank us later. Um, but But Rooney was, he had an up and down year in a way that I don't think a lot of us expected after his fantastic half a season in 2018. Um, I don't know what direction I want to take this in. I just want to throw the floor, throw it open to you guys um, for your thoughts. We, we knew we've known for a while now that Rooney was going to be going, but now it's done. He's gone. And I mean, I think a lot of it was once he decided in his mind that he was going, it might not have been announced yet, but, that's when the season ended. It, it he was whether it was uh, I don't I don't think it was intentional, but w- once that decision was made, uh, he was not the same player for DC United, and I don't think it was because of the rest of the team. Because for for a lot of the stretch down twenty eighteen, a lot of the beginning of twenty nineteen, he was the team. He was able to put the team on his back and just decide what he wanted to do in these games. And then, it, in sometime in the middle of the season in twenty nineteen, that just stopped. And it could also there's also uh, the theories out there that because of all the games he's been playing uh, for years and years and years, there's also some physical decline and that's possible. But I, re- I really do think that uh, just once he knew he wasn't going to be here anymore, it he's a professional, obviously he, he, it's not like he checked out or anything, but there just wasn't that last 10% a bite anymore. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, in the numbers, the surface level numbers back it up um, from, uh, I guess, his, uh, he scored against or had a goal and assist against Cincinnati on July 18th. Um, that was, if you recall, uh, the game after that was he went to England and it was the, oh, we're giving him a game off uh, was the initial story. Um, it right. turned out that that was to go negotiate uh, the deal with Derby County. Um, from that moment on, he had one assist, no goals. Um, and I guess if you want to give him a hockey assist for the, um, the playoff corner kick, uh, which I believe MLS, yeah, MLS, uh, soccer appears to have done that. Um, 
so the goal against TFC, uh, I guess, broke that trend a little. But um, before that, it was 11 goals and and uh, six assists, I want to say, um, or seven assists. So um, I, I think some of it was a loss of focus. Um, some of it was DC's own form uh, made it a little more difficult for him to do his job. Um he wasn't getting a lot of support in, in some of these games where he just, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about games like the loss to Philadelphia, the five, one loss to Philly um, uh, at Vancouver, you know, playing a low block the entire game. Um, it's difficult for him to accomplish all that much. Um, so also some of it was red cards and suspensions. Right, that, you know, the red card, I think that was a loss of focus. Um, I don't think he was trying to uh, clock uh, Michael Murillo. Um, I think it was Michael Murillo. I'm not 100. No, it was Christian Caceres. Um, yeah, I don't think he's trying to make that, but I think if he's a little, just that like 1% more dialed in, he realizes the space that he has is that it's not the opportunity to lift his arm the way he does is not there. Um, it's, it's l- the little tiny things like that, but that cost him two games. Um, and really cost him really three, three. Games yeah. yeah. Um, and so these things kept adding up. Um, he got a yellow card against the Red Bulls that got him a, the um, accumulation suspension. So that becomes another game that gets lost. Um, so, yeah, I think some of it was that kind of thing. Um, and some of it was just maybe just good old fashioned poor form. Um, his free kick service wasn't as good towards the end of the season until he started. It started to get better at the very end. But there was a stretch there where it just wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Um by his standards, by most people's standards, it was still pretty good. Um, and, and DC, unfortunately never really figured out how to leverage that. Um, Fred Briant and Steve Birnbaum would win the first ball over and over. And then uh, most of the time, nothing happens. Um, though DC's last goal of the season, of course, something happened. <laughs> um, but that's just the way 2019 went, I guess. Um, yeah, I think, I think Rooney was still giving his all, but there's a certain, there's a certain issue when your mind is, is elsewhere um, and your routine has been thrown off and his routine stopped being coming home to the wife and kids and became living by himself in a team owned apartment. Uh, you know, that kind of thing like that changed. Um, he has this other thing, like he's taking in the next step in his life to become a player coach. Um, that's a thing that's going on. Um, this, stuff with the tabloids kept happening and maybe the, um, you know, they got, there were some bigger ones in that stretch of time. The Vancouver game, I think was the, the, the most, uh, egregious example. Um, and that's again, you know, it looks like he and the guys went out for a few drinks. Um, but because British tabloid culture is what it is, it turns into, um, 900 other things. It's crazy. Um, yeah, I, I think, um, for a while there, Rooney looked as good as he did in 2018. Um, but the combination, you know, the wear and tear, I think, did play a part. Um, not so much fitness wise. Like I, I, the fact that he played the, the full 90 most of the time, uh, though, I will say when you look at the list of games that kind of stops in that back half of the season, mm-hmm. there's a lot of like 74, 79, 77, um, things like that. Um but I think the travel is really, it yep. wasn't in game being able to play 90. It's like the, the travel, uh, it gets you, it gets everybody that comes here because when you're used to, um, 
you know, a major road trip was like, oh, we'll have to fly in the Champions League to play in Germany. And it's like, yeah, that's like a DC to a Red Bulls road trip. That's that's nothing um, for an MLS travel schedule. Um, and I think he was very confident he could get around it before. Uh, and I think maybe that also played a part. But there's, I think it's a lot of little things adding up. It's not yeah, one... He Go he got he got more of a taste of the the bad parts of MLS, and to his credit, he spoke up yes. and said these players should not have to endure this. Um, he did the, his lot on this, yeah. The he commercial an flights, advocate for the, his teammates, yeah. rather than being a jerk, and even said these players should be making more money. Like mm-hmm. e- even after he was, you know, He's set gone. to leave, he said these guys are not paid enough. Yeah, um, they're underpaid compared to foreign players in the league, like me they should be paid more, um, which, which but, hasn't happened very often in league history. No, um, it hasn't. A lot of the other big stars haven't come through to advocate for their teammates in that fashion. Um, and that's, that is admirable. That's something that a lot of the other big signings could, uh, could learn from. Hopefully no, they will. Cause I think in that category, I think you, it's hard to have too many problems with Rooney. His, uh, the treatment of his teammates is like the exemplary yeah, way to do that's it. It's why like I don't the anti a Like some people want to pin this on character. Like he gave up or something. I don't think it's that at all. Right. It, it might be a psychological thing where he wasn't able to be as dialed in because he had many things happening with his current and future life, uh, like immediate future life. But I think he got the taste of the, the what, what MLS is, which is really, really good grueling through commercial travel through referees that don't protect players um and and all of it and bad surfaces and everything and he he never once complained about playing on turf or or going to or you know didn't beg off to play a game on turf like on did or or Zlatan has done he he played through all of it and that adds up and i think i think all of it combined led to you know the the disappointment on the back half of this year and the team's form and his own form obviously contributed too but um i know from pablo's reporting that he hates the questions about legacy but he's gonna get them uh people are gonna ask you guys he got them almost every single time we talked to him in the back half of this season um and you could tell he did not want to talk about it anymore um he never really wanted to talk about it, but his uh, patience for the questions got, uh, he never got snippy. He was always respectful, but the answers were definitely the, like, I'm giving you an answer because I have to out of politeness, but please stop asking me these uh, legacy questions. So Rooney's gone. Uh, the other half of the partnership that set the world on fire in 2018, also officially gone. Pablo Maurer, also reporting that that Luciano Acosta will not be back. It's done. There's no possibility of his returning. He's got interest in Europe, in Mexico, from other teams in MLS, which is interesting because DC United will retain his MLS rights um, and unless and until they're compensated uh, and they voluntarily trade them. Um, but and he also will not we be think back because with we DC don't United. ever know <laughs> the machinations of MLS, so... That's true, but it's a bit of a caveat on there. 
Well, we, so we never no, know. we know that DC United made a reasonable contract offer. They were going to quadruple his salary and pay him close to three million dollars a year for four years. Yes, but we don't know. Like we don't that, know. No. Like if that was in the window of resigning that MLS has for their uh, I, this offers. one, I feel pretty confident. I, 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 he walked away. DC United's not receiving compensation. All it takes to retain rights in that situation is the barest minimum possible reasonable offer and dc united reportedly uh far surpassed that and no i mean we reported that um dave casper said that they had made that offer to me um and actually i will say that when i followed up and said um with uh because this was after that conversation came after rooney's departure and it's like with Rooney leaving with the money that that might free up, does that change the team's offer to Lucho? And his answer, which to me was, and I'm quoting verbatim, no. <laughs> um, so at that in-depth point, response think, there from Dave Casper, I, I think at that point he knew that there, there was nowhere to go, uh, that they were at an impasse. Um, and I think he also, the team had accepted that, uh, that, that, it not only was it at an impasse, but that the value, uh, his value had lost enough that, or had gone down enough that um, the situation was not going to get better than it did um, as far as a possible sale or anything like that. Um, and so, but it would, that situation was already effectively done by the, around the same time that Rooney's uh, departure was known. So um, it was a tough year. Cause that was a big bet uh, from DC United and yeah it did not pan out to say the least going back to what was it? January, February DC Mm -hmm. United, very end of January. um, We, we get word that Lucho and Dave Casper are on a plane to Paris where they will sit down with Paris Saint-Germain and uh, hash out a potential sale of the tiny number 10 to be Neymar's fill in over there while he's hurt for the, first part of the the spring um it didn't happen there were lots of stories about what happened and there's still some you know uncertainty about it from what it sounds like from what steve goff has said uh reported both in stories and on twitter and from pablo and and elsewhere uh there were intermediaries that made promises about what psg was willing to pay that were not true when DC United got to Paris, they were not willing to to table a ten million dollar offer. They weren't willing to go much more than half of that six seven uh, million dollars, which was not enough to meet DC United's valuation after the intermediaries got theirs. And so they would have realized maybe four million for him, which I think most DC United fans would have panned the team if all they pocketed was was four million dollars. I don't know. I, I wouldn't have been in that group. I think a lot of people uh, would have been. I think. I think when he stepped on the plane to France, uh, that my thought was around three point five. Um, and Net. when when the figures that were coming back uh, in that period of time, I, they were wild. They were, those were wild figures. Um, I'm not doubting the reporting. I'm just saying that based on his the full breadth of his career at that point in time. They were wild figures. If PSG yeah. were willing to uh, pay close to that, then I have doubts about their ability to um, handle the market. Like Lutro's awesome, but he's not a ten million euro player or ten million dollar player. That's wild, right? Because really, he had 
he had two really good three month periods in his time at DC United, and his other periods were sometimes good, sometimes frustrating. And so, yeah, like Jason said, throwing ten million dollars at a player like that is or, or eight just, or whatever it was. It was yeah, way above a valuation that would have made sense because. Lucho's technical ability is outstanding, obviously, but there's a consistency issue uh, and there's an athleticism issue um, that is often the case. When we look around MLS, we see a lot of guys who are really technically gifted, who aren't quite athletic enough to make it at PSG's level. Um, And we see guys who are tremendous athletes who aren't technically gifted or aren't um, don't have the soccer IQ or whatever it is to make it at that level. And we talk about them. We say like, you know, if that guy was just a little bit better with the ball, or if that was a little bit, he wouldn't be an MLS anymore. Um, But I will say that I, I, Dave Casper has always been willing to sell at a price point that seemed fairly reasonable. If anything, fairly low. If we think about Andy Nahar. Yeah. Um, So I think he's got a good handle on what the market actually is. Um, I think maybe the market on Lucho due to maybe proximity to Rooney, um, various other things. I'm sure, I'm sure Casper had a fairly good handle on the market. Um, it still remains a surprise to me that that's what the market was. Um, but I also remember that, um, Casper said if, if they had, I, I can't remember whose article it was in, but his main, he maintained that if, if, the negotiations had had one more day. If the window's one more day longer, they would have hammered out a deal. Um, I think he might've even said hammered out a deal verbatim. Um, so yeah, it, it was one of those things that it came up so late. Um, that mm-hmm. the reality, the physical reality of not just having not enough time to talk about it, um, became a problem. The fact that there were so many parties involved became a problem, mm-hmm. um, because you have to satisfy every one of those groups, um, it's not nearly as simple as Dave Casper and someone from PSG that some of the reporting from France was that there were multiple parties within PSG's organization, butting heads over the valuation. So, yeah. um, these transfers are, I mean, we think they're complicated from the outside and we don't even have, we were looking at the tip of the iceberg a lot of times. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was, I think we talked about it back when it happened that this was probably the most important moment of DC's season uh, just now, because what if he, what if he doesn't get sold? What if it hangs over his head? What if he does get sold? They don't have time to replace him. All these things. It turned out to be pretty close because it, yeah, he admitted in Pablo's piece that it, it probably did weigh on him this year. Cause how could it not? Um, and I mean, it was like, obvious from his play on the field the yeah. entire year that he, something he was, he was, he was on fire for the first couple of games of the season against Atlanta, against RSL. Um, but, but then reality, it's a life changing amount of money that yes. is now not in his hands. Um, and now it's probably going to impact his next move. Now his next move is probably going to be, you know, if he, if he ended up the, the from, from, Pablo's piece uh, we're recording uh, only a few hours after it came out. Um, if he ended up in um, Liga MX, that would actually not be a surprise to me. I think he would actually probably do very well there um, and be more well-paid. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I I'm interested to see what happens to him. Um, I'm also interested to see in how that, situation impacts DC's relationship with his agent, who is also Yamil Assad's agent. Um, 
that deal ended up being very complicated, but they managed to figure out a way to make it work. Um, so who knows? Um, but yeah, it's, it's a shame because Lucho is fun. Uh, when Lucho's playing, I mean, how many more players in MLS could say that they were even close to as fun as Lucho when he was on? Um, and even when he was frustrating, even in the years where he didn't do a lot, um, I was thinking earlier that one of my favorite Lucho moments was when uh, poor Jack Barmby tried to box him in on the touchline in like 2017, like a a bad Lucho season, a bad DC United season. And Lucho did a like turn and back heel nutmeg uh, on him. And I was like, well, Jack Barmby uh, has lost everything just now. Uh, <laughs> he's blinked out of existence effectively. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was another good one that you see in a lot of the the highlight packages from Lucho where again on the touchline over by the supporters at RFK near midfield, he gets the ball facing kind of out and backwards manages to touch it up to himself and then flick it over his own shoulder run. He actually runs past the ball and Scorpion kicks the ball back into his own path with his heel and like beats two defenders while doing this and then uh, makes a pass and his teammate botched the shot. But it was, it was like, okay, that that was an early look at what this guy can can provide on the field. And he he's a romantic player in yeah. a way too. Like it, it that that's part of what made 2018 so much fun and and provided so much hope going into this season is we we saw how many goals he could be a part of. And uh obviously it didn't come to fruition this year and and it, it's gonna leave a a little bit of a sour taste in everyone's mouth, including his um, now that he's gone. But man, that doesn't even for me, like on a personal level, my five-year-old's favorite player in the world is Lucho. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have to tell her that he's not playing for DC United anymore. I've told so many stories about her love for Lucho on this, like oh, talent yeah. and Lucho are like one and one a, as far as her love for soccer. And, uh, Lucho's gone, and I haven't told her yet. I'm not looking forward and, to that. And there's the the aspect you from the wait story, till that, like December, uh, maybe uh, January, maybe once they've signed somebody new, maybe you can just like uh, Indiana Jones slide of hand into something else. Probably not, because <laughs> that's not how no. children work. But well, uh, one of the if if memory serves, one of the things that really appealed uh, was that Lucho is a little guy. He is a little guy. So if they sign some guy who's not a little guy, then that's not going to work. He's he's no. going to be too big. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is one of the other aspects of that story is that Lucho mentioned that his son cares about DC United. He is a DC United fan, um, and. They were, you know, the read on Lucho, I think um, some of it was the language barrier. Uh, There are not a lot of us in the press box that can speak Spanish. Um, And, you know, Lucho, under for very good reasons, didn't want to give interviews in a language that he hadn't really mastered because you might say you might pick the wrong word. And all of a sudden, the whole interview becomes about your one that one sentence where you made one little mistake in your second language. um, it's a credit to Pablo that it's not, I, I don't think he gets this interview just because he speaks fluent Spanish. It's because of his chops as a conversationalist. He gets people to open up. Um, and Lucho, I, I think, um, we saw more sides to this. You know, the read on Lucho was maybe that he was, um, kind of self-focused and he was just here because 
he's on the team and that's the team he has to play for. And he's going to um, play his game regardless and maybe get irritated with his teammates when they aren't up to his level and things like that. But the fact is that um, you, you can tell from what he said that um, Lucho was happy to be here. He had respect for DC United, the idea. Um, he doesn't sit around saying that DC United needs to spend more to get back to what they used to be because this is a club that won trophies. If he didn't really care that much, that stuff wouldn't have mattered to him. It would have been just a thing on the wall. Um, and it wasn't, it was not theoretical to Lucho. It was real. Um, so yeah, it, it, it sucks. It sucks that it ended this way. Cause, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, he could have, he had the, the raw material was there between club and player for him to be an absolute legend with DC United. Um, and things kind of just went awry. Uh, and it's a little bit DC United's fault. It's a little bit Lucho's fault. It's a little bit of bad luck from the outer world. You know, the meteor of PSG strikes, you know, what do you do? Um, but yeah, uh, it sucks. It sucks that this is the, this is where it ends with he doesn't get his big move. DC United doesn't get anything. Uh, he's leaving. They're not, they have to figure out how to replace him. Um, it's bad. It's a bad, it's a bad ending. Um, and, uh, it, it gives me pause quite frankly about next season because it's now two major things that have to get addressed. And this club has usually been really good in the off season when they've got one major thing to address and like minor stuff, but two major things to address is a lot for any team, you know, LAFC what, would have trouble. Go ahead, Ben. And it's not even two. Ma- I mean, yes, it is two major things, of course, but it's also, uh, Wade Rooney was saying in the preseason, hey, this team is a little short. And so they've got to address all of that, too, in addition to... Yeah, they uh, need to make up the shortcomings from this year. Making sure that, uh, like, Ola Kamara seems to be the Wayne Rooney replacement. Uh, But they've they've still got to get another really good striker uh, to go into next season. Now they've got to get uh, at least one, maybe two really good attacking midfielders They've got other issues up and down the, the 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 lineup that we'll get into as we go through this off season. Like they've got a lot, of, they've got a big pull this off season yeah. to work through. This is a challenging off season for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think the roster is as I don't think it's severely short. I think there's a lot there. Um, but right, but like for example, it, you don't know if Fred Briant is going to be able to do another season at this level. So you've got to at least prepare for that. And hopefully Donovan well, Pines can do it, but right. Who knows? Uh, I'm, I'm not too worried if, if Briant falls off, I think Pines is ready to take that step. Um, but those are the only three where I'm kind of selling out the next step here, but there's only three center backs left on the team. Um, right. We don't know. There's been a lot of assumption in the fan base about O'Neill Fisher's absence being a big problem this year. What if, I mean, that was a severe, that wasn't just a torn ACL. That was multiple ligaments. There were setbacks in the surgery. It's taken him a full year plus. We, we won't actually see him. I mean, unless he suits up in this um, friendly against Bermuda in November, which actually he might, they might need him to, to play those minutes just to uh, build something. Um, and and if even he comes, if he suits and even if he suits to. up, they 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 need more people. They need more uh, fullbacks. What I'm getting to is that what if O'Neill Fisher isn't the same player he was? Well, what if he's too. not as fast? What if he's not as agile? Um, like, because the the O'Neill Fisher that people remember is the guy that was. It was just that 
that time between his injury and the move to Audi Field. It's a short window in which he was right. absolutely at his very. It was that was the best of, part of his career by far. That was the best form he's ever been in. Um, and we tend to. I, I've read a lot of takes that that crystallize that as if that's who he was all along, and that's who he will be. We all hope that's who he will be. Maybe even he gets better. That would be great, but we don't know it. Um, that's and, another problem. And anyway, even coming Jason, into this season, uh, just to just to put a pin on it, uh, like even if O'Neill Fisher had been available, they were still short at fullback too, uh, as it was proven down down the, the road of the season. See, we disagree. We still disagree about this. They had an incredible amount of fullback injuries. They weren't short at fullback. They were actually heavy. At, they were long at fullback. They had many fullbacks. Uh, it's just that they all kept getting hurt because of bad luck. But I mean, if that injury crisis had happened at, you know, attacking midfield, um, that wouldn't have been short on attacking midfielders. They would have been like, how many do you have to sign? Do you want to sign eight? Do you want to sign 20? Um, <laughs> you know, the fullback thing, it kept being, it was just too many people got hurt at one position. They had a normal number of fullbacks. Um, they had a, a reasonable number for an MLS roster. Um, but uh this kind of gets into the problem with um, the team is that it wasn't just, it ended up not just being the major stuff. It was also the minor stuff. Um, and yeah, they've got a lot to do um, not to mention addressing loans. Uh, I mean, we can kind of parse two of them pretty easily. They want Hamid. They probably can't really reasonably afford horror. We're going to, we're going to get into that in a future yeah. episode. We don't need to hash all of that out now. The other confirmed departure, as Jason alluded to, is a center back on the team. Jalen Robinson announced that he, after six years uh, as a professional, all of them with DC United, he's going to be moving on. Uh, I, I assume he's going to stay in soccer, um, but he he will not be playing for DC United next year. We wish Jalen all the luck in the world. Uh, by all accounts, great guy. Uh, Someone I would have liked to see more on the field has shown a lot of promise when he's been out there, uh, but he's arguably a little undersized for the center back position at this level um, and and didn't quite fit at fullback. So uh, he will be moving on and and hopefully we, we see his name in another context sometime soon. Names that we uh, can be pretty sure will be around next year based on uh, reporting and, and we kind of everyone kind of had this hunch uh, Dave Casper and Ben Olson it sounds like will be around Jason wait, wait, are we not going to talk about Robinson we can talk yeah, more I, about I, Robinson, I Robinson we, right we've past. already been over we're already past 40 minutes for this episode and there's a couple other things to get to so uh, uh, right. we can well, talk we can about Jalen I like get to those in other episodes too if you're talking about <laughs> other episodes we we're, we're, we can spend like a whole episode just on Olson and Casper we probably have to spend a whole, whole episode yeah. on those guys. Um, no, uh, Robinson, I think his departure is going to be more important than we realize. Um, Robinson was was the classic glue guy when people talk about players in the locker room. Um, and I don't just mean that he was a good guy that everyone got along with. Um, Jalen Robinson spoke Spanish. Um, he was one of the few players in the locker room that spoke English and Spanish. Um, I remember... Uh, Lucho gave an interview where he talked about how outside of the the native Spanish speakers, the best Spanish speaker on the team was Jalen Robinson. 
Um, that's a, that's not an insignificant thing. Uh, you need that. Now, granted, um, that was before Paul Ariola was on the team. Um, a couple of other guys, uh, I mean, Felipe speaks, I think, eight or 20 languages. <laughs> He's a, um, it, it, his linguistic skills are pretty wild. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things that's really important. Um, a lot of the guys on the team, when Robinson would play, when he would step in uh, and do a spot start and have some success, people got like in the locker room, people were very excited about it because they knew how important he was within the group. Um, and, uh, there's also the added fact that you never want to see your homegrown players end up having to leave. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's frustrating. It's, it frustrated me when Ethan white left, um, when Connor Shinovsky left, it frustrates me every time, um, because you want to see those guys become, you know, a, a part of the team forever. And it just, it doesn't work most from almost every player. It doesn't work, but you want to see it anyway. You hope it happens. Um, you know, Robinson's history with this team goes back to years and he wasn't just a guy that joined the Academy at like 17 to get his eligibility. And then um, it wasn't one of those where they had to massage the homegrown rules to get him in. Um, He was there forever. His history with the team. I I can't remember the number of years he, he told me after um, uh, one of his appearances, but uh, or after the LA appearance, when he stepped in and partially helped, um, shut down um, Zlatan. There was that game where DC, where Olsen rotated really heavily um, and they got the win anyway. Um, yeah, that was a big game for, for a lot of those guys. And um, Robinson, you know, everyone talked to him about his performance. And the first thing he wanted to tell us was that he wanted to point out that the whole group of guys that stepped in were better than people say they are. Um, so this again, this was someone advocating for his teammates. So um, yeah, I think, that aspect of it is going to be very important. Um, those guys are hard to replace. Um, but I'd also say that uh, I lament the fact that Robinson at, at no point did anyone ever try to develop him as a defensive midfielder. I think that's his actual, his raw skill set is there. Um, he's a technical defender. He's fast, um, good on the ball, physical, able to win headers at a rate that someone who is my height, he is five foot nine. Uh, it is unreasonable for him to be that good at them. Mm-hmm. Um, but because he's five foot nine, he never really got opportunities at center back. Um, and I think at some point someone should have said, we need, you need to spend like six months learning how to be a defensive midfielder. Um, I think he would have done a very good job, but that opportunity never come. And now, you know, at this point he's 25, it might be too late. Um, I will say that the team kind of, prepared us for this. Uh, if, if memory serves, Olsen specifically cited Robinson and he's saying this is a big year for Jalen Robinson. Um, and I think this was a, you know, breakthrough in my eyes, or we're going to have to let you go kind of year for, for Robin Robinson, as far as Olsen was concerned. And he didn't really break through. Um, I don't think it's necessarily his fault. I think it was lack of opportunity. Um, this year specifically, it's more, you know, Briant and Birnbaum, gave very few opportunities to anyone. Um, and when those opportunities arose, there's Donovan Pines who has, uh, you know, the, the ceiling on Donovan Pines is ridiculous. So um, the door never really opened for Jalen Robinson and that sucks. Um, but sometimes that's the way things go. If you develop at a club that has one too many center backs, that might be, you, you might be the odd one out. Yeah. And uh, 
I, I echo most of what Jason said. I'm going to miss Jalen Robinson as well. I, my main add-on is just that I wish in a season like 2017, which we knew from from a long time in that season that that season was going nowhere, I wish he had gotten more than six starts in that season. Mm-hmm. That is a season where Ben Olsen could have given Jalen Robinson a consistent run out, especially on the back half of the season. Uh, could have experimented with him at multiple positions, center back, defensive midfield, or wherever. But he got six starts in a season like 2017 where everything had gone to hell. So my main complaint is that a season like that is where you give players like Jalen Robinson a consistent run out when you know the season is gone and just see what you have in that player, see how they perform under adversity. And and Ben Olsen didn't do it. Yeah, there are a few players over the years that have that um, gripe. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of Michael Seaton, mostly another another homegrown guy uh, that um, maybe got a little too upset given his age. Um, and it took him a while. I, I've heard that he's actually quite much more settled uh, and much more. Um, ha- he has more of a perspective on his career now. Um, and he's he's actually re- done really well at Orange County in USL. But um, yeah, it's another situation where maybe some veterans kept getting opportunities and it was, you know, sometimes Olsen has been hesitant to give someone a chance, even though he'll, he'll refer to someone as a gamer. Um, but then you have to give them games. Um, and Robinson, I think fit that bill. Uh, there were a lot of times where DC had an injury crisis and they were like, who are we going to turn to? And they turned to Jalen Robinson and he did pretty well. And then it was like, good job. And now we won't see you in, you know, for another Back to the two bench, months. The starters um, are here. It's a shame. It's also a shame that, yeah. that the team years ago wasn't financially ready or able to have Loudon around um, because in, you know, 2015, 2016, while he was just not getting any time, would have been a great time for him to be playing for a USL affiliate. Um, yeah. But yeah. that the timing on that, unfortunately, never happened. If he doesn't land with an MLS team uh, and, and instead finds himself on a probably an independent USL championship team next year. I I think Jalen could clean up. I think he could dominate USL from a center back position, even at five, nine, he's got a lot Especially, of tools and with the right, in the right situation. Yeah. He's going to, he's going to ball out, I think. And it's going to, I really hope that happens uh, on one level because the, the, the guy deserves to, to win some games and to be an important part of a winning team. Uh, at whatever level that may be. Yep. So uh, we won't get in depth on Ben Olson and Dave Casper. We'll we'll focus a future episode this off season to that. But suffice to say for now that um, the two of them will very likely be back. Jason Levy and giving quotes to to Steve Goff and his annual kind of year end uh, sit down. <laughs> saying that uh, one of their assets going into next year is the continuity in their soccer uh, leadership. And that, that means Casper and Olsen. Uh, it sounds like there will be some additional investment in the, the staff, uh, another assistant coach, another full-time scout. Uh, I am not sure what else, but uh, it sounds like there will be more, uh, more of a spend on that front, which is good. 
because because DC United has forever been one of the the more threadbare staffs. So having more uh, more resources focused there is a good thing. Um, hopefully, we'll we'll see some resources invested on the field as well uh, now that Lucho and Rooney are gone. But we'll we'll talk more about Benny and Dave in a future episode. Um, before I move on, would you guys like to comment on that briefly? No, because I have 20 minutes worth of comments about that. <laughs> All right, then. Um, in, in one of the great travesties of MLS, they, they, they give out awards. And awards are stupid, but they would be less stupid if they gave them to the right people. Apologies to Ron Swanson for stealing his line there. Uh, DC United didn't get any, despite having... A, a guy who's obviously the best goalkeeper in the league and had obviously the best season of any goalkeeper in the league. Uh, his name is not Ike Opara. No matter what Bleacher Report tweets out, he doesn't play center back. His name is Bill Hamid. He's a goalkeeper. Uh, and and he was robbed of goalkeeper of the year by his fellow players, no less. Um, a ridiculous result, I say, in the goalkeeper of the year voting. Vito Manone in Minnesota won it. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't I don't have many words. Bill Hamid was better all year than anyone else. Uh, I have a theory that um, for much of the season, people sort of underestimated DC in the fan base. We got in our little bubble. There was a, there were a lot of times where you'd look at the standings and then look at the takes and be like, these things are not the same. Um, and I think that maybe hit the national uh, market where people were just not willing. Some of these times award stuff, it's like because goalkeeping metrics are so raw, um, people will cite save numbers and goals against average. The save numbers don't actually tell you if a goalkeeper is good or not. Goals against average is a team stat. It doesn't represent any, like you could be a great goalkeeper on a terrible team and your goals against average will not look good because your teammates can't do their jobs. Um, or you, or you could be a bad goalkeeper yes, with two can, good center backs in front of you. Right, you could be trash and be goalkeeper for LAFC, and people will be like, "Well, his goals against average is pretty good, so he must be a good goalkeeper, right?" Um, there just isn't. It's not hockey where there's like thirty-five to forty shots every game. The the sample size is too small. Um, but yeah, um, I, I think that there was a little bit of pay no mind to DC nationally. Um, I think that hit him in the votes a little bit. Um, I think people were generally overreaching to give credit to Minnesota for finally having a defense uh, that was mostly down to having Ike Opara and Ozzy Alonso stay yep. healthy, um, which before the season, I, I will say, I thought neither one of them was going to stay healthy because of their injury histories. Uh, so, you know, credit to the training staff of Minnesota. Good job. Um, Vito Manoni, however, not on the training staff. True. Uh, and, and look, Vito Manone did fine. Um, he made some big saves in big moments. Uh, he did well on penalty kicks. Um, the folks at American soccer analysis were absolutely losing their minds over Vito Manone winning this because they've got some data that says that he was actively bad, um, which is interesting stuff. Um, I think uh, you mentioned penalty kicks. I think a lot of people do just based on the number of save of the week that go to a penalty save, people love penalty saves and they think it makes a good goalkeeper. Right. And it's, it's a confirmation bias thing. Um, Goalkeeping is hard to judge. Um, Goalkeeping is not science. It is art. 
it is very difficult to winnow it down to data points. Um, even in soccer, soccer is famously hard to, to, you know, get data on that is truly, um, that doesn't need a lot of context or doesn't need a lot of other data. Um, it's not baseball where you can have, I don't even know which of, there's one baseball stat where it's basically like, if you're good at this, you're a good baseball player. Or wins above replacement. Right. Um, We don't have that for soccer. Uh, We're not even close to having it because we don't, it's not as discreet a sport. It is um, the context. And it's system based too. Right. Um, There's all this this different stuff. Um, But yeah, I I think on the eye test, Hamid was transparently the goalkeeper of the year. Now, Matt Turner had 20 great games. And if he played that way for, you know, 26, 27, if he had six or seven more games, yeah, sure. Then, then maybe I would be inclined to hear the Matt Turner arguments. Uh, sorry to, um, the Revs fans that might be listening, but 20 games is barely half the season. It's not enough. Uh, Turner's problem wasn't his play. It was that he didn't reach the, he didn't reach the bar to get on the ride. He did not play enough of the season to be goalkeeper, which is why he was not a finalist. Right. Um, despite, I, I think the one group of people, uh, the league website seemed to have, uh, uh, several people supporting that, but that was about it. Matt um, Doyle is a huge, I, ironically, this is a situation where quote unquote MLS.com went, uh, in a way that, that Adrian Heath, uh, I guess, I guess it's not ironic cause it's another way where Adrian Heath can say that they weren't looking out for his guys. Um, but yeah, Vito Minone, I did not expect him to be the winner. Um, not even a little bit. I, I kind of had a feeling that Hamid wasn't going to win because we've been through this before um, with goalkeeper of the year and other league awards, quite frankly. Um, comeback player of the year. Uh, the, the they no should just, they need to, they need to put the comeback player of the year in a drawer and never award it again or, because it, or it's just give a guidance. nonsense award. Yeah. It, it, um, I don't, I mean, they don't give guidance on the MVP either. People vote on the most outstanding player, the yes. most valuable to their team. It it makes for conversation, but it's dumb conversation most yes. of the time. It's that's about semantics and that's not entertaining and it's not fun and it's not illuminating in any way. Um, call it the mouse, like comeback player though. There's even if you give guidance, there's it, it's still going to go to the best player who overcame some modicum of adversity in the last once year. That's it. it. That's to, what the, that's who it goes to. Once they gave it to Beckham for overcoming ennui, that they should have just, yeah. just, just shelved it at that point and never given it out again. Yeah. I mean, at this point, it, that that's a frustrating exercise uh, in a different way than, than Bill Hamid not winning goalkeeper of the year is a frustrating exercise. Um, anyway, Bill Hamid will always be goalkeeper of our hearts. And he knows that he knows we love him. Um, I think that's it for, for this episode, other than to say happy retirement to party boy. Chris Pontius announced that he's hanging him up uh, and uh, his hat trick against the Red Bulls in a downpour in April 2012 will forever be one of my favorite soccer memories. Um, the way he I, completely I mean, I could do 20 owned minutes Thierry on, Henry. Oh. I can do 20 minutes on party boy too. So we're also giving him uh, short. Shift. I can do half an hour on just that game. That, yeah, that performance um, was so good. <laughs> Uh, let me, I'll tell you guys a short story about that game. It's not really about that game. It's about my lived experience, uh, getting that to was that game. A, the caps playoffs too. I remember watching a playoff was, game in the tailgate before that. There, cool. The playoffs are going on, but the thing that hit me was that, um, 
we got hit with major storms and I used to get, as you guys remember, I used to have my power would go out. Um, they, they built another neighborhood where my power lines would always get hit with trees. And so um, before that neighborhood, this was during that period of time, my power had gone out for like two days. Um, and my water is pumped in via electricity. There's a well pump, which means when my power goes out, I don't have water. So I was just sitting around, not getting a shower. It was kind of warm and sticky because it had been raining. Um, and I was like, I, I feel filthy, um, but I'm not going to miss the game. But I feel real bad for anyone I have to stand near. Um, I was having to go out to eat everything because I couldn't. I didn't want to open my fridge and just have to toss all of my food. It was all this stuff going on before the game that had nothing to do with it. Um, and I went to that game and I remember being like, this weekend has sucked. This game is going to go terribly. Um, I don't have any power. I can't take a shower. I can't eat my food that I have. I can't do this. I can't do that. Um, this sucks. Like I'm going to come home to a dark house after a loss, after standing in the rain, getting soaked. Um, and that game actually, it was also very close to my birthday on top of all of that. It was, it was, might've even been my birthday. It might've been an April 21st game. Um, but yeah, all of that stuff was adding up, and I just dreaded that game. And Party Boy uh, bailed me out and really made that whole weekend for me. So uh, just one of the many moments that he had with DC. And, you know, I did notice that Red Bulls fans were like, God, he killed us with everybody. Um, so uh, he, he did <laughs> That it makes with- him a legend, as yeah, far as exactly. I'm concerned. <laughs> Anytime you have Red Bulls fans just, like, cursing your name, you, you're a legend. That's it. Uh, thank you all for listening. Find us at blackandredunited.com, patreon.com slash filibuster if you want to support this podcast financially. Find us on Twitter at filibusterdcu, at blackandredu. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Download, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you have to do. Wherever you get your podcast, that's where you'll find us. Mostly, though, please tell a friend about the show. We'll keep it going all off season and into next year. Um, and and we would like people to keep listening. So spread the word. We're really appreciative of that. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. I just want to dance. <laughs> <laughs>